This is the Rings of Power podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about the penultimate episode of the Rings of Power, episode 7, The Eye. Elrond is as much a brother to me as if he'd been fired in my own mother's womb. How dare you? Invoke your mother's memory to defend your decision to betray your own kind! No! It's you that's betrayed our kind! Squandering our future so you can cling to the past! You profane the crown you wear! To our circle, fellow ringers. This is the Rings of Power podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're discussing the Rings of Power episode seven, The Eye. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow ringers. I'm one of your other hosts, John. Another penultimate episode this week. After it we've is. Just done our penultimate episode of She Hulk. Yes. Yeah, which is a great one. Yeah, She Hulk was absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Rings of Power, uh, this one was certainly. Uh, Kind of the aftermath, shall we say, of that massive episode mm-hmm. from from last week. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was kind of, dare I say it, let the ash settle. Well, absolutely. Um, from the events of that day. Yeah. So really good. But still lots to talk about, though. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, really good episode. Absolutely. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe to it over on tvpodcastindustries.com. That's where we have all of the podcasts for all of the shows that we're covering. Uh, Just go on over there and subscribe on any good or evil podcast catcher. Or you can find us just by searching TV Podcast Industries as well. Um, If you're subscribed to just the Rings of Power podcast, uh, make sure you subscribe to the main feed and then you'll get access to all the shows that we're covering. And we'd love to hear from you about all of the shows that we're covering. So make sure you send in feedback to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. Yes, coming up on the podcast, there is Werewolf by Night, the mm. Marvel special event for Halloween, even though it's been released on the 7th. Yes, we'll be October. releasing that later this month. Yes. Yes, we'll be releasing that around closer to Halloween where it deserves. Mm-hmm. And there is also coming up Wakanda Forever mm-hmm. as well. So, yes. yes, stay tuned, fellow ringers and fellow defenders and fellow every other fellow that uh, listens to the podcast. Yeah. We also started Pennyworth this week, Pennyworth Season 3. So I did three episodes of that show and uh, we're doing a new episode each week uh, as that's released on HBO Max as well. Yes, back in the DC universe where mm-hmm. the DC logo, because it's set in the UK, is filled with rain. Of course. <laughs> of course. It's not going to be sunshine and rainbows, is it? <laughs> no rain in Mordor, though. Oh, spoiler. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we got the official renaming of the Southlands in this episode. So let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion of episode seven of The Rings of Power, The Eye. Mm-hmm. Derek, who gave us what, were, when, who, why, and how? <laughs> well, this is based on The Lord of the Rings and the Appendices by J.R.R. Tolkien. The showrunners and executive producers are J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. Uh, this episode was written by Jason Cattle, who wrote episode three, Adar, with Justin Doble. And the episode was directed by Charlotte Bronstrom, uh, who directed last week's episode, Dune, as well. Excellent stuff. Yes, I guess this just followed or flowed through mm-hmm. um, in terms of the production, just to... Make sure they could sweep up the ash after. <laughs> exactly, exactly. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Episode 7 of The Rings of Power? Sure. The village is in flames, buried in soot and ash. The survivors make for a nearby hill and the Numenorean base camp, where it is revealed that the Queen Regent Muriel has lost her eyesight, and Elendil begins to realise that his son, Asildor, is lost, presumed dead after attempting to save people from a burning house. Upon reaching the encampment, Theo, who has been accompanied by Gladriel, is reunited with Bronwyn and Arondir, 
and Gladriel is promised further Numenorean support by Muriel to defeat their common enemy. Though Elendil is resentful of Gladriel's appearance, having brought these events on the Numenorians and his son. As the Numenorians depart, a wounded Halbrand, found with a gash in his side, is in urgent need of elvish medicine, as Gladriel brings him with her back to Lindon. Elsewhere, Nori's caravan finish their migration, but they find the other Harfoots lamenting the destruction of their grove due to the eruption of Arondruin. The stranger's attempt to mend a tree appears to fail, so Sadok, leader of the Harfoots, sends him away with a map of his constellation. The following day, however, the entire grove has regrown. While the Harfoots rejoice, they are found by a mysterious trio of witches in white who are in search of the stranger. After failing to mislead them, the trio burn the caravans. Wanting to protect their friend, a group of Harfoots set out to warn him. In Kazakh Doom, Elrond offers a deal for the dwarvish Mithril, but King Durin III declines, stating the Elven Age has ended. As Elrond departs, Durin IV witnesses Mithril's ability to cure the Elven Blight. He brings Elrond and begins to mine for the ore himself. Just as he strikes a massive Mithril vein, King Durin arrives and banishes Elrond, while also stripping Durin of his royal position before sealing the mine, though unbeknownst to him, a Balrog deep underground awakens. In the destroyed Southland village, Adar and his army claim victory and rename the land Mordor. Interestingly, I did think we were going to get some eye like the Eye of Sauron. Mm-hmm. Some kind of reference here. Maybe there was and I just missed it. Um, but I, I thought even just some visual of something. I don't know quite what, what where, how, mm-hmm. but somewhere in this newly created land of darkness. Um, I was expecting that we would get that, you know, that classic image yeah. that we saw of the fiery eye. Yeah, I, f- I just feel like I've missed something because that is the name of the episode as well. It is it is called the eye. So what is the eye in the episode? What is it that they're talking about? Is it the eyes of the Balrog opening up at the end of the episode? Yeah, is it the loss uh, of the eyes of uh, the Queen Regent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the loss of the eyesight? Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I, I was... A little bit nonplussed as to what the reference to the eye was. I feel very stupid. I feel like our wonderful fellow ringers are going to email us going, how did you miss that whole scene, which was all about the eye? Is it the the trio of of searchers that are looking for the stranger? Are they called the eye of Sauron at the moment or something? Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe something like that. It it could very well be that. I don't know. (laughs) And I'm calling those three searchers the, the witches in white. Okay. I don't yep. know whether they are or not. I have mm-hmm. no idea uh, who this trio are, yeah. what kind of race or sect they belong to. Mm-hmm. So whether they are from the wizarding world, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, not a very popular. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> but let's get into the tales of Middle Earth with our first tale. Let's talk about the survivors in the Southland. Um after that amazing, amazing moment last episode, uh, surprising that there are any survivors uh, this well, time. Well, quite, including Galadriel. But yes. Um, but I loved that close-up of all the ash on her eyelashes mm. and her face. And, you know, as the the camera panned up the armor, I just thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, it was. Um, but you did see a lot of burn victims at the encampment mm. Uh, of the Numenorians. So people did. I mean, you know, that would be realistic yeah. for um, that kind of event. Yeah. But I'm guessing elves are a little insulated on this. Absolutely. I guess the uh, the armor that she got at the Numenorians um, home was uh, plot armor. Is that what it was called? I guess so. Good yes. insulation ability. <laughs> yes, she, is, uh, she does exist for another thousand odd years. So uh, I guess we can't kill her off here, yes. of course. But... Um, a really good moment where she finds uh, Theo, um, and they go off together yeah. uh, to, uh, out of uh, out of the town so that they can uh, try and survive this uh, this devastation. I suppose. Um, I, I have to just call out quickly that moment when we saw the horse running past Galadriel as she yeah. wakes up, which is on fire. Yeah. It's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm 
have to hope it was CGI <laughs> because I can't imagine the <laughs> poor sure horse was, that was yes. underneath it. Um, but it, it was amazing. It, it really stood out as a moment. And then you saw the the, burn, the, the burning man uh, on the ground beside her as well. But um, a, an amazing scene. Uh, but interesting discussions here with Theo as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, interestingly, I'll, you know, she starts off shouting for Lendil and Halbrand, mm-hmm. but it's it's Theo who she finds who's looking. He, he himself is looking for his mother Bronwyn, mm-hmm. but I I really enjoyed this. I think this has been Theo's kind of best episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not I've had anything against anything that's happened with Theo. I mean, he's been central around the hilt, mm-hmm. but um, I just really enjoyed the conversations that they were having around loss as they're hiding from the different orc patrols. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we learn here about Galadriel having lost not only a brother, but also a husband uh, in the great uh, battle against Morgoth. Yes, and that is a real shocker, because we've met Celeborn, her husband, in The Lord of the Rings. Yes. Um, that is who welcomes the hobbits to uh, to their homeland, effectively, is, is uh, Celeborn, her husband, who uh, is a wren. But this is from the appendices. This is specifically said that uh, Celeborn... Um, was last seen riding off into battle before one of the great wars, and it even says, um, and nothing, nobody knows of his whereabouts. So it is interesting that we've seen him in Lord of the Rings, we've seen him come back, we know that the two of them are back together, but at this time, Galadriel is completely alone and yes. believes her husband ha- has died at the hands of the orcs, at the hands of Sauron, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I really, I'm glad they had as well in this conversation Theo just expressing, you know, his, his guilt. Mm-hmm. We heard that previously with Rondir, but here I think because of the darkness around that hilt, um, I just think I really enjoyed how Gladriel just says, you know, do not take the burden of this day mm-hmm. uh, onto your shoulders, uh, as you might not be able to put it down. You know, there are a, there is a design here, mm. and Thea rightly points out, well, I've lost my entire home. I may have lost my mother. Yeah. Um, was the design in that? Um, to which Galadriel replies, I don't see it yet. You know, yeah. so I, I kind of really enjoyed giving a pep talk almost to Theo from oh, yeah. Galadriel. You know, she's, she says it's not your fault, but, you know, Theo's racked by this idea that he gave this power to the enemy that has caused the loss mm. of his home yeah. uh, and his land, effectively. And I like the gesture from Galadriel where she gives her sword to him. Yes. You know, I, I, I will train you. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure how that will happen now, given she's ridden off with Halbrand by the end. She's coming back. She yeah. is coming back, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I really hope... I just felt there was a really good connection between these two characters. So I really hope that that blossoms with Galadriel, because, mm. like, interestingly for Theo now, he's actually kind of made really good connections with two elves, mm-hmm. both Arondir and Galadriel. Yeah. Uh, you know, he gives Arondir a huge hug when he sees him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's kind of... His connection to the elves is strong, I think, at it is. the moment. It is, and I also like that kind of um, overarching story, really, here with um, with Theo. This The fact that he got the blade and was uh, succumbed to its charms, effectively, and now has destroyed... He feels destroyed uh, his hometown and all of the Southlands. And as a way of kind of making up for it, Gladriel is giving him this Elvish blade. So again, going from one hilt now to an Elvish blade, which she leaves behind with him. And he rallies the rest of the Southlands in cheering for themselves that they've, uh, that they are still surviving and they will continue to go on. So I kind of like that connection that it's around the blades, it's around the weapons, which are all uh, very important within, uh, within Middle Earth. No, absolutely. And, and even, I think, um, one of the other good moments for Galadriel here, um, is where she says, you know, don't cheer dark deeds done for good, mm. um, as that will lead to darkness. Yes. Um, it's almost a self inflection mm. on herself yeah. a- after the, the previous, episodes where we see that rage leveled at Adar and Mm -hmm. I I kind of really like that sort of just that self-reflection of her but putting it to to Thea I thought that was really good yeah absolutely and let's also talk about some of the other things that happened in the Southlands as well um we see 
early on we see Isildur has survived and he goes and finds um his friends uh, he finds Valandil uh, who he pulls out of the rubble and then we see that uh, Antamo who's the uh, the other member of his of his troop um who'd given up on war who decided that he was going to be there to yes. help people is dead he's he's died in this uh, in this destruction that's happened um Isildur is led into a, a building to try and save some of the uh, other Southlanders and the building collapses on top of him um seemingly killing him yeah um there's just a nod. Obviously, Isildur as a character does have a major part to play in the future war, so I presume he's still alive. But the show does tell you that as well, because the horse that has connected with him, which we heard about last episode, Beric, uh, won't leave Middle-earth, won't go back um, to to Numenor. Um, it, it runs off yes. into the wild uh, or potentially off to find Isildur, um, which I just think is a, at least the show is telling you that. It's not trying to tell you that Isildur is dead. It's yeah. trying to tell you that there is hope there for him. It, yeah, it's not. And it, it's more it, it's more the, the unknown for his father, Lendil, mm-hmm. and it's that impact of seemingly lost and presumed dead mm-hmm. because both the Queen and Vilandil saw um, the building fall on him. Yeah. And it was fully ablaze so it, it's the effect it has on elendil here because yeah. I, mean, I love when the queen gives the order ultimately to sail back to numenor but with the promise that they will return and mm. um, presumably with more troops to fight this common enemy to gladriel elendil kind of peels off from that moment yeah. to almost kind of do a silent scream, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. um, it is that for him, the loss of his son is down to Galadriel bringing them to this place, to exactly. Middle Earth. You exactly. Know? So even if the Queen wants to keep her promise, uh, as Galadriel says, she definitely will keep her promise. I do feel like Elendil here could maybe organize some kind of mutiny. Um, you know, they went into war. They've lost a lot of their troops, including uh, his own son. So I feel that's the setup that we get out of this. You know, if you if you tie that back to what we just heard from Galadriel, um, an elf that's been around for thousands of years and believes her husband to be dead, um, you know, remember, there's no form of communication here. Yeah. There's no royal mail to deliver your letters for you, or, or email, or, exactly, or uh, you know that that kind of stuff. There's no ravens like in Game of Thrones. So if they leave and go off to Numenor, how will they ever find out whether Isildur is alive or, or not? You yeah, know, exactly. He turns back up in Numenor, and I mean for the, for the Numenorians, it could you know the behavior of Beric the horse could mm. be down to the fact that you know his rider has died in this place. Yeah. That's why he's staying in this place. Yeah, exactly. Um, as well. So, um, yeah, I, I really like this because, yeah, it's potentially a turn here of Elendil. And interestingly, even with the queen now blinded, mm-hmm. um, she is, you know, true to her word and commitment. I mean, we have Gladwell saying, you know, with certainty, I believe that she will be back. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was, I thought really interesting. I think the other just quick thing for me is I actually really enjoyed the reveal of Queen Muriel being blind because she hasn't told anyone, but Mm -hmm. she's asking almost the same questions. Yes. To get her frame of reference of where they are because she can't see anything. Yeah. And I just, I really thought when Elendil just held her hand, uh, I thought it was a really nice touch. Yeah, it, when but, he realizes that she's actually lost her sight. Absolutely, it's that it's that moment in the in the forest where she says, "When will we get, when will we get out of the ash here?" And he and everybody kind of quietens down, and she goes, "How long have we been out of the ash?" And they say, "More than an hour." Yeah, um, that's when she realizes that all she can see is gray. She is uh, unable to see anything at all. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a, a big moment, you know. Again, um. She is Queen Regent here, but it seems quite, uh, quite tentative, um, back in Numenor and not coming back as the victorious queen who, uh, who vanquished the enemies to Numenor. I presume there's going to be some challenge for her as, yes. uh, as leader of, uh, of the Numenorians. Um, final point, uh, on the survivors of Southland, just a, a note on where they're going off to. Uh, we hear that they're going to go and find an old Numenorian colony that was left behind when they left Middle Earth. Um, it's, referred to as at the mouth of the Anduin and called Pelargir, uh, which is 
the entrance to Gondor, uh, one of our big cities in exactly. Middle-earth. So this hopefully will be a good place uh, for the Southlanders to live uh, on the borders, I guess, of the Southlands. Um where they'll be able to set up Gondor, uh, a very, very important place uh, in Middle-earth. So. Yeah, no, that was, a, that was a really well sort of squirreled away Easter egg, I mm. think. Um, but uh, really, I really liked that. I mean, even I think one of the banners of the Numenorean camp looked tree-like. Mm. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. I wonder if they're going to strike camp and take those materials with with them so that they will have this sort of proto symbol of Gondor there mm. uh, because the queen has also left a detachment of Numenorians um, to protect the Southlanders as yeah, well. To help them. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's it for tale number one. Let's go on to tale number two and talk about the Harfoots and the Stranger again. We didn't see them included in last week's episode and we were kind of saying, you know, you couldn't really cut from the big action scenes that were happening to the Harfoots. Uh, this time we actually see a much more serious story with the Harfoots. Yeah. It starts off in the usual way. They're, um, they're still on the, on the road to the grove and, uh, Poppy singing a song about, uh, about, uh, snailing, about a guy who's, uh, who's, uh, living off the land effectively. Uh, all seems very cheery until they get to the grove and find that it has also been destroyed. I think it was only actually when Sadok calls out that there are mountains that shoot out rocks that, uh, he's heard about from his ancestors and that is a, precursor to the arrival of a, of a great evil. I think it's only when he said that that I was going, oh, that's what happened. I, it wasn't just burnt down randomly. It's also very close to the Southlands and very close to uh, now Mordor. Um, yeah, so. well, you saw the big projectile rocks mm. there as well. So, yeah, their, their kind of main harvest place has been completely decimated yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and... Again, picking up previously were, you know, a bit of suspicion towards the stranger. Mm -hmm. Sadok tries to get him to, well, does convince him to try and heal the trees. Mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't happen sort of in the click of a finger. Yeah. It, it is. So it looks like it, it doesn't work. And as a result of his chanting, mm. you, Tilly, uh, and Nori are almost sort of crushed by a falling branch. Yeah. But ultimately, it does work. And, you know, I think there's, it just brings that spark of hope about, you know, is the stranger peril or is he good? Mm -hmm. uh, because he did do what they wanted. It just took a little bit of time. Yeah. With yeah. the magic. It's just a hopeful um side of things. You know, he's trying his best. Everybody may be afraid of him because, you know, he's a he's a giant human that they don't that don't, they don't tend to to be around, you know. Yeah. Um they don't know anything about him. Uh, his arrival was really shocking as well, you know. Um Nori almost gives up on this. She almost turns to the standard way of Harfoots where she's saying, all I am is a lowly Harfoot. All I need to do is just stay with the pack like everybody else has done for, uh, for all these years to keep us together. Um, but that is a big twist. Learning that, um, he did actually help uh, yes. is a big change and, and you can see it in Nari, but there is another darker side to this story as the three, let's say the three white witches, um, arrive at the, uh, at the grove. Um, yes, they've been following since the original landing of that meteor that came down delivering the stranger, they've been following the tracks to track down where he's gone uh, and arrive at the grove. Um, they're very dark. They're very evil. Well, that's it. They're looking for him there. And of course he's been, the stranger has been sent on his way with the mm. star shot from Sadok. Um, and it, it's almost that, that um, offer of the apple by Nori, almost a, like as a peace offering mm -hmm. or a thanks um, to the stranger, even though he's then heading on his way. Yeah. That's why she tries to tell them they're going the wrong way and to point them in the other direction so that they don't stay on the trail mm -hmm. of the stranger who helped them with this regeneration of the, the grove. But it ultimately goes badly for them with Largo, Nori's father, uh, trying to just protect his child mm -hmm. with the fire. And I mean, it was such a great moment where the, the main, um, searcher mm -hmm. takes 
and extinguishes the fire from the torch mm. and effectively just blows the 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 hot embers and towards all the half foot caravans mm-hmm. and then yeah i mean complete destruction for this community and this is huge you know the, yeah. the setup that we had earlier on in the season is that their entire society is built around the idea of the caravan you know it's um the the chance that they had of uh, of stay on the road and nobody gets left behind you know it's all connected to this idea of them being uh together as a group and uh constantly moving in the caravan so yeah. effectively Everything's been taken away from them. This is as big a thing as the Southlands being destroyed. Their homes and everything they own have all been destroyed yeah. here. This, this this is destroying their way of life. Yeah. You know, they're nomadic. These yeah. these caravans are their way of life, and they've gone. They had all their provisions in there. I mean, mm. effectively, they're they're gatherers of food along the way. Yeah. And um, yes, they make jams and they they mm-hmm. make various different things, but it it's um. It's not that it's subsistence, but it, you know, it's, they take from the land as they need and preserve what they need to survive. So, I mean, this is like really bad for them. Mm -hmm. But again, back to the hopeful side of the story within, uh, within these, uh, these stories in Lord of the Rings, you know, they're still hopeful when they, when they get up the next day, they find that there are still, uh, the trees are still producing apples. They're still there. They're able to live off the land here while they choose to go off and warn the stranger um we have a new group formed um i love how it all starts with malva who's been one of those nosy parker type uh members of the community yeah. the one that wants to be in control of everything who's pointing out everybody else's problems and she apologizes she says i'm not too old to admit when i'm wrong um which kind of shocks everybody else in the group because she has been that person who's been pointing out the bad things about everybody she was the one that wanted to have nori's whole family sent to the back of the caravan or even just left behind yeah and now she's saying we need to work together we need to do something new because what's the point what's the good of living if we aren't living good yes and i but i loved how as well you know she's effectively admitting that she's wrong Mm -hmm. and i love how sadok changes that round when he says the problem with you, Malva, is you're always right. Mm-hmm. As as he realizes that Nori, who's offered to go after the stranger to warn him, yeah. Poppy by her side. Then also her mother says, "I'm going to go with you to make sure you're okay." Mm-hmm. And then Sadok as well, so that they can they can track the stranger in order yeah. to warn him of these searchers that are looking for him. Mm-hmm. I think the other nice thing was. You know, it what before this, it it was all kicked off by Nori's father, Largo, giving that speech to say, "Stop being downbeat. We can rebuild. We yeah. can get our new caravans back together, build new ones." So, mm-hmm. I guess that's where Nori gets her th- this spirit from, yeah. because it was almost like he suddenly was seen as this leader because he was given you know that inspirational speech and i I think that kicked it all off it inspired nori to pick up the bag fill it with apples and say i'm off to find him to warn him Mm -hmm. and i really enjoyed that yeah yeah i really like this uh these moments again another hopeful story even though there's lots of darkness going on around the heartfoot so i love how it's told as a story uh within here i think interestingly as this group of four head off that landscape, even though the big mountains in the background, that immediate landscape in front of them looked very hobbity to me. It did, didn't it? Yeah, and I yeah. was just wondering, given the caravans were destroyed, mm. even though they're talking about rebuilding them, I wonder if while they're away, there is some kind of um, settling down in this location. I mean, yeah. in a sense... They have to be because they've been forced to because they've got to build new caravans yeah. to move. Yeah. But it looked very much like the rolling hills of Hobbiton. I can see what you mean. I can see what you mean. Yeah, it's possibly this is where they build their first Hobbit holes, maybe. Even yes. if it's not Hobbiton, uh, this might be where uh, they build their first first Hobbit holes. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, good stuff. Uh, let's get on to our final tale uh, for this episode. Uh, Prince Durin versus the King um, was what, what we've called this one. Um, effectively going against his father, who's told them that they can no longer mine for the Mithril, uh, Elrond and Prince Durin get together to try and 
work out a way to show how much is there what's the what's the availability effectively of this uh, of this material uh, so that they can prove to uh, king duran he should be able to help out uh, other races um we see that they do break through and we see this amazing amount of uh, of mithril that they see through the through the wall um which they're hoping to get to but the king arrives just to see them discover this and is furious at being at his advice being disregarded yeah. um by prince duran um we see alrom being thrown out of uh, of casa uh, doom and everything kicks off really between prince and uh, and king i loved this argument between the two of them oh it, yeah it was brilliant it really yeah. felt like a generational argument yeah. this idea of the older generation wanting to make sure that things were like they were back in their day which is a rose-colored glasses version of what actually it was like and the younger generation yeah. saying, how can we move on? How can I become the person you want me to be if you freak out at every little thing I do? Well, that's it. He says, you suffocate me. Mm-hmm. You cling to the past. I mean, even that you can't see um, that we need to help our allies. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's it, it's to the... the, the it's to the reasoning of King Durin earlier on, you know, this um that dwarves are made of stone and fire. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to risk mining deeper to help elves effectively cheat death. You know, the, yeah. again, to the same point of Gladwell's destiny, you know, there are higher powers here. And if, we, if the king defies their will, perhaps this kingdom will fall. There's a really important portent given, you know, we, we know from Gandalf when they travel through Kazakh doom in, in the fellowship, mm-hmm. the elves, mine too deep yes uh into the center of the mountain and found you know ancient darkness mm-hmm. and we see it here as well so the I, balrog the yes. balrog yeah so uh, that was amazing i loved that i mm-hmm. loved just the leaf sort of bursting into flames yeah and it's, then it's probably just because the leaf had been used in a previous episode to show the restorative powers of um the mithril that I don't know, <laughs> I just wasn't expecting uh, what was happening there. The, the leaf falling down and then burning up, I was going, oh, are they saying that too much mithril can kill the elves? Is that what this means? Oh, wow, there's a balrog behind yeah, that. Exactly. Oh, now I see it. I just <laughs> loved how they popped it from the darkness mm, as well. And I mean, fabulous. completely looking like the balrog from Lord of the Rings, which mm-hmm. is great uh, yeah. to me. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't mess around with it to be honest yeah we we had seen the balrog that balrog in the the mystical battle yes. that was called out uh, a few episodes ago where Elrond told the story of the battle of the elf and uh and the uh balrog over the tree um which caused the mithril or created the mithril but it looks like the balrog was sealed inside along with the mithril which is interesting so yeah uh, yeah that that was that was really good but quickly just to go back to the argument between prince Duran and the king the big turning point really is where Prince Duran uses the wrong thing, really, on his father. He says to him that Elrond is like my brother. I love this turn of phrase for, from a dwarf because I, I, it really makes sense where he says it was he, would, he couldn't be more of my brother if he was fired in my mother's womb. So yeah. it's, it's a real dwarfish type phrase, but yeah. really sets King uh, Duran on edge. It really sets him off. And he strips him of his title, strips him of his... Uh, seal of office almost yeah. the necklace that he's wearing and tells him this doesn't belong to him he is not the prince that he was yesterday effectively he will no longer be in succession for the throne then yeah and th- I, I, that was really good i absolutely thought this argument between the king and prince was superb mm-hmm. i think the other side of this was i loved um princess Deza here oh you yes. know firstly giving out about the king's decision. Um, <laughs> but it, it was the ambition that came through from Deza mm. here. You know, we we must try and reverse the king's decision initially. Yeah. There were other lords that were more sympathetic, mm. and we can turn them round and try and reverse this. Yeah. And then after he's been stripped of his title, you know, it, it's you are the rightful heir still, whether he's thrown the sigil plate down and mm-hmm. stripped you of that that um, hereditary um, title. Yeah. Um, this is your kingdom. It's our mithril. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I just thought that was a really interesting turn from Princess Deza. I mean, 
you can tell she's full of energy and fire. Oh, yeah. Like, she is heart on her sleeve. You can mm-hmm. tell that is Princess Deza. But here, that turns to really sticking by her husband in, in Prince Durin, yeah. you know, and the fire in her belly mm-hmm. to right this wrong that she see as she sees it, yeah. you know, and I really enjoyed that uh, a lot because so often you just see that conversation between King Durin and, um, and the Prince Durin. Yeah. And here it's, Behind every good man is a good woman, Absolutely. and you know it's that as well. And she's the best, yeah, and she's, she's ju- <laughs> you see that you see that she's lighting the fire mm-hmm. um, under Prince Durin um, yeah. to retake. So I'm wondering if there is some kind of coup uh, of sorts. I mean, you know, it is a monarchy. Yeah. We know about the War of the Roses and all, you know, or mm-hmm. Game of Thrones or whatever. That notion of this sibling rivalry as well, mm. you know, within this kingdom of dwarves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. she even says about uniting all kingdoms of dwarves, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So it was, uh, I just loved that. Yeah. I love that she is, um, you know, telling her husband to grow a, a spine and to fight back. Well, absolutely. Yeah, she's great. Absolutely love her. And I love their relationship. I think it's, uh, there's a lot of fun in it as well um, as as the support that you can see coming out in those kind of scenes. It's really good. That's really interesting that you point that out because what was going through my head was kind of, but you're next in line to the throne. He's old. He's going to die soon. The elves live for thousands of years anyway. So I know he says no today, but like a year's time isn't very long to wait until he dies. I thought it was kind of that way, you know, Uh, and then all will be ours because you're next in line. But it makes a lot more sense that there could be another uh, massive upheaval in the dwarven race like there there could be over Numenor as well. So so some really interesting setups possibly for for future seasons. Definitely. Good stuff. Um, The only other thing we should really mention uh, outside of the the major tales is, kind of mentioned earlier on as well, but this moment where we see Adar and his orcs uh, in the the former Southlands where they're cheering for him, saying he's the king of the Southlands, just after we, we heard Hellbrand being cheered for. Yeah, by the Southlanders, but he's being cheered as the Lord of the Southlands and doesn't isn't willing to take that as a title. Wants a new name, effectively, for this area. And then we have the burn on screen of the title for Southlands being burnt away and getting Mordor on screen. Yeah. I thought that was really effective. Yeah, I rather think. than having the character tell the orcs around him, "No, don't call it that anymore. We want to call it Mordor," and explaining or saying anything like that. I thought the reveal of that burnt away name yeah. uh, worked really well i thought it was a great choice i thought so too yeah mm. and now we have mordor we do nice yes we have mount doom yes we do we do and the orcs are all told they can now discard the coverings that they've had to wear under the sun they're now living under yes. the darkened sky of mordor so this is their home um so i thought that was a really good final scene uh, to have in this episode what is going to happen next week i really don't know because with the Numenorians going back to mm. their island, maybe it will focus on Halbrand and Gladriel. I mean, you know, they not no one in Linden knows that Gladriel is still alive. Mm, true. She supposedly is into the West at this stage. True. Yeah. So there is the realization of what's happened in the Southlands. Mm-hmm. I hope we see the Southlands arrive at Pelagir mm-hmm. as well. Um, I think that would be really cool to see without. The city, yeah, uh, of Gondor. There, yeah, that would be really interesting. Um, the ancient city of Numenor, there, or a city that the Numenorians left behind. In fact, would, would that be really cool to yeah. see? And then the the beginnings of Gondor. Uh, interestingly, the showrunners um, J.D. Payne and, and Patrick McKay have only started doing interviews this week for Lord of the Rings. I haven't really been uh, been present in a lot of media, but they did some interviews this week, uh, and they were saying that one of the big things they wanted to avoid this season was it being all about Sauron. And that's been everybody's speculation about the show yeah, from yeah, yeah. day one. Who's Sauron? Where is Sauron? So I wonder, will we get a reveal in this last episode of who that is? Or uh, maybe we see him return in the in the final scene or something to set up well, season two. But uh, Yeah, maybe. Because you think about what tops the creation of Mordor, you know, mm. in a sense. I mean, that's massive. And you could, huge. you could place that as a final episode, mm-hmm. you know, quite easily. Definitely. So it would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, any other notes about the episode? Anything else you want to talk about, John? No, none from me. Um, 
will I tell my my, my funny mistaken story uh, about watching the episode? Um, <laughs> I was watching the episode, got close to the end, and uh, saw a tweet come out uh, saying how happy they were that they got Fiona Apple <laughs> to do the uh, the final uh, song. And I just didn't read the tweet correctly and thought it was the final song of the episode. So I was waiting for it to come up. And the final song in the episode is uh, all of the orcs uh, shouting death. <laughs> and I was going, wow, that's a very different type of song for Fiona Apple. But uh, but anyway, the real announcement, uh, Fiona Apple is doing the, uh, the final song for uh, the end of The Rings of Power. So in that tradition of The Lord of the Rings closing Excellent. out their movies with a big song by a big artist, uh, Fiona Apple's doing the finale song. I'm looking forward to hearing it yeah. uh, properly next week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. So overall, John, have you enjoyed episode seven of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, The Eye? Uh, I really did, yeah. I, I would give this four Mordorian hellscapes out of five. <laughs> nice. um, yeah, I thought this was, um, you know, in terms of doing an aftermath, mm-hmm. Sometimes it can always just feel like a, ugh, but I, yeah. I think this really, um, added tension and intrigue around with the queen going blind, committing her, um, her people to yeah. this fight still, yet having Elendil, um, sort of hurting from the loss of a sealed door and in a sense being resentful, uh, towards Galadriel mm-hmm. because of what she's caused for them. And, um, I thought that was really good. I loved the whole interaction between Theo and Galadriel. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I thought the moments in Kazakh Doom was just great. In particular, as we've already mentioned, that's the argument between the king and the prince. I loved the ambition of Deza. Mm-hmm. I loved all of this. Um, it, that power struggle, as you say, that generational power struggle. Yeah. Um, so good. And then, you know, the official renaming of the Southlands to Mordor mm-hmm. for the road signs, you know, yeah. really good. Um, nicely done in a very different way. So Absolutely. cannot wait for final episodes next week. Yeah, and of course, then it was good to be back with the Harfoots mm-hmm. and see their optimism despite everything that has happened to them from yeah. these searches in white. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I'm gonna enjoy seeing Nori, Marigold, Sadok, and Poppy go off on this it's adventure. It's a good group, isn't yeah, it, it yeah. is, yeah. and it's it, I, I love this. You know, it's totally in that wheelhouse of. Um, Bilbo and Frodo, you know, mm-hmm. the, the inquisitive hobbits, um, that break the, you know, the general insularity of the hobbits. And, and, so Mer- I, and Merry and Pippin, the, yeah, the, and Merry and Pippin, even exactly. more adventurous ones. <laughs> so I really, really, um, love this. Yes. I want to know who these searches are there. Mm-hmm. I guess we might get some of that from this final episode yes. as well. Yeah. A reveal so. of who the stranger may be. Absolutely. So for me, yeah, I give this four Mordorian hellscapes out of five. Very good, very good. Yeah, overall, loved this episode. Thought it was really good. Um, I, th- I just think the treatment on the show of how they're writing the characters w- is working really, really well for me. So uh, so while this is an aftermath episode, it's a really important episode. Yeah. I, don't want, I didn't want it to just move on to another action set piece at the beginning of this episode. That wouldn't have made sense no. for the Rings of Power. So having this moment where everybody takes a breath and thinks about how much this has affected them is a, a really important thing to do. So it's working really well for me. I'm so excited to see how they close out the season. What way are they going to decide to end this first uh, story, first Definitely. tale of Middle yeah. Earth? Uh, good stuff. Um, let's raise a glass, of course, to uh, the lost uh, Antamo uh, from the episode. Um, cheers, Antamo. And let's move on to some feedback from our fellow ringers. Yes, First up for episode seven, we got some feedback through on voicemail from Dr. Bob Phillips. Yes, thanks, Dr. Bob. I know uh, Dr. Bob was traveling last week, so couldn't unfortunately send in uh, feedback for last episode. So he sent in a voicemail on episode seven. Oh, my word. Well, I missed last week as a feedback because of, well, having to do some work. I was doing a bit of a Chris, actually, traveling the world, you know, just enjoying myself around the place. But but this week, to give feedback on episode seven, crikey. 
We are in the midst of all sorts of badness, aren't we? As, as Mordor arises, that smoky things happen in most places. I mean, there is a serious need for a Middle Earth fire brigade to be set up <laughs> because, because there's just too much burning going on. And, 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 and we've got the joy of apples along with those horrible ghost elf things coming, coming, breaking everything up. We've got eyes being to the forefront, eyes not working anymore, just fiery eyes underneath the world and then people just not being able to see what's in front of them. And yes, I am looking at you, current King Durin. This is very, very much taking us steps further forward to that impending doom that we all know's there. And the tension in it. Ah, well, I mean, at least we've got a new fellowship of multiple not-Hobbit families setting off to find the Starman, to really warn him about the scary things, but also also to have a little bit of hope and friendship in amongst what is a lot of direness here. Uh, it will be lovely to hear your more educated points of view on this, and I look forward to hearing everybody else's intelligent comments as well. Thanks, chaps. Bye. Thank you so much, Dr. Bob. Mm. Yeah, I think the... Um the the fire brigade for middle earth is in desperate need although i yeah. guess they got horse steaks at some point for, oh, no. for the orcs um <laughs> and of course as i said all the road signs need changing and yes. it's no way this way to the southlands it's <laughs> this way to mordor so formerly again, the southlands yes uh, they 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 really need to get their mm. sort of uh, investment levels up but i i think you're right i think it's um you know the hope coming from as well the 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 half foots are, mm-hmm. are is just really good it it, yeah. it lends itself to that hope in amongst all the darkness even the hope that theo has i yeah. think by the end of this it's inspiration from gladwell yeah, exactly. in this episode is, is really important you know again she's a commander she's a leader of armies and she's giving them hope that they may have an ability to take back their home at some point. She is not discounting. This isn't uh, the end of everything. So uh, there there is a lot of hope in there. Uh, Thanks, Dr. Bob, uh, for your thoughts. That's really good to hear from you. we're not always the most educated, as we've said. We're not the uh, we're not the Tolkien scholars, so uh, we will leave that to our wonderful other uh, fellow ringers to send us their thoughts about these episodes as well. Absolutely. Hope you enjoyed the travels, mm-hmm. and welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, we also got uh, an email in from Coffee and Vodka. Greetings, fellow rebuilding defenders. Good intentions to dire outcomes to hope. Every time I think about giving House of the Dragon a go. I watch one of these episodes filled not just with adventure, but heart, and I know I can't return to Game of Thrones' corrosive fantasy. Mm. The Southlanders migrating to new lands, the Harfoot settling in what might be the Shire, Elrond and Jorin's friendship forging new beginnings for both elf and dwarven kingdoms, Galadriel and Halbrand back on the road again, Queen Muriel returning to Numenor blinded, yet never seeing more clearly, Nori and friends off to warn the stranger of the danger coming his way in thanks for his giving them a home. Even the orcs are given their homeland. In the face of shaky hope, however, the dweller and leaf-awoken Balrog threatens. This and so much more packed into less time than you'd think it required, Mm -hmm. yet told so well. Looking forward to the conclusion next week. Mm-hmm. Five sightless sovereigns, goodbye strangers, and bad glooms rising out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. Nice, nice one, coffee and vodka. I like, uh, I like bad glooms rising there. That's quite good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Just some really good thoughts there, coffee and vodka. I know there, there does tend to be this comparison between House of the Dragon and Rings of Power because both of them are out at the same time, both got massive amounts of money behind them, uh, both from major studios and both fantasy um but they are absolutely different you know I, I find i need to be in the right mood to watch house of the dragon i find it quite difficult at times i do love game of thrones i've watched every episode of it and watched every episode of house of the dragon but sometimes the darkness that's in that show without any light without knowing whether you can follow one character and see that they're a good person because 20 minutes later they could be literally stabbing someone in the back Um, you just have no idea whereas here you can see the differences between heroes and villains you can have 
the joy in the characters like the Harfoots, where you know that they are hopeful characters, it makes it much easier to sit down and watch whenever I want to watch it, if, if that makes sense, rather than um, choosing the right time where I'm in the right mood to watch House of the Dragon. So I totally get what you mean, Coffee and Vodka. Yeah, I, I think that's that that's true, mm. you know, um, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they are different focuses are and you know different styles uh, in yeah. the same genre for sure but uh yeah absolutely agree with everything you say as well mm-hmm. you know this is just um so well told uh so great stuff thanks so much coffee and vodka for the feedback absolutely uh we also got an email in from gail now this is a bit of a long one uh gail has sent us in a, a long email before she did say in her comments uh before sending this in um at least you only have one more ep- episode derek and <laughs> to read these long emails from me we don't mind gail it's lovely to hear your thoughts it's lovely to get uh thoughts of someone who's as who's enjoying the show as much as we are Absolutely. as well uh, gail says hello everyone what an episode i hardly know where to begin every week feels like a feature film and for a time i feel like i'm transported to middle earth i could literally smell the smoke and ash in the air this week's main theme is the war within and without let's chat about that firstly the injured holy cow what a depiction of the aftermath of a natural disaster love that they also showed flaming rock burning down forests potentially hundreds of miles away i lo- also love that they show that both war and calamity have real stakes with people dying immediately people and animals dying too slowly from horrifying wounds and people needing to face living with permanent disability and or pain oh for all of those folks for whom Muriel is our focus, they will have to cope with not only the injury, but the psychological and emotional trauma of forever not being what they once were. As a society, we're good at helping with the outward effects of injury, but we often don't see and more often can't help with the internal battle raging in those affected. It will be hard to watch how Muriel's wrath will ultimately affect the people of Numenor. On to Elendil's battle. Elendil is torn between his loyalty to the elves, his fealty to Muriel and Numenor, and his responsibility as a father. Losing his son in battle in a far-off land when fighting another's war is a bitter pill to swallow. Although he is giving up the, the war for the moment, the battle of grief and of being pulled in all directions is only beginning for him. In Galadriel's battle, since the first episode, we were directly told that her battle would be between the dark and light side of her nature. It was nice to hear that she was once a girl who loved to dance and loved and married a boy. That girl has been losing the battle for a long time. Nice to see glimpses of her start to surface again. It'll be interesting to see how things go when this version of her is reunited with the version of Celeborn that exists at this point. Theo's battle. Theo has lost his home, his friends, and perhaps his family. He's lost his innocence by providing his assistance to the enemy. And to top it all off, he's lost his childhood. And now he has Galadriel telling him he is a soldier. So throw identity on the pile too. Poor child doesn't know up from down at this point. Elrond's battle. Elrond's war is, of course, to save his people through persuasion, kindness, and friendship, which seems to be his most powerful weapons. Nice to see that he is also naming his internal war Elrond Half-Elven, the one who belongs in neither world and whose closest friend is a person from a different species. Acceptance and identity are the internal battle for all of those considered different and perhaps somewhat lacking by their own groups. Durin's battle. The dwarves are facing the trolley problem where everyone is right because there is no correct answer. Do you let your friends down, push them off the bridge to save everyone else, or do you spare your friends and potentially condemn everyone else to death and doom? King Durin is right. Being a leader means that you are put through the fire every time you make a terrible decision, but each time you go through the fire, there is always a risk you shatter rather than get stronger. Not going to lie, the dwarves are my personal favourite, being only 5-1 myself, and watching the beginning of the end of them is heart-wrenching. Finally, some stray thoughts. They should have read the fine print on that key. It was not Santa's workshop, it was Krampus's workshop. Krampus and his gnarly elves now have a home. Did you notice how glowing and orange Deesa's eyes were when she described what she and Durin were owed? And what they would have in the future? Some might say her eyes were downright schmaug-like. By the by, do we have any idea how dragons are made in this world? Could dwarves somehow be corrupted by Mithril and other dark, say, Balrog magics? Mm. Uh, I recently guessed that a friend's daughter was in grade three because she's eight. She asked me incredulously, how do I know? I told her that I used to be eight once upon a time. The look on her face was exactly exactly the same look that Theo had when Galadriel confessed there was a time that she danced. (laughs) Uh, Celeborn is going. Woohoo! The stranger 
seems to have the power to reverse death. He looks so sad that his kindness always comes with fear and rejection from the observers. He needs a sign around his neck that says, stay back 15 feet, wizard at work. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, Nori, what made you think approaching the Fire Sisters was a good idea? Those poor Harfoots can't catch a break. Love the line from Duran uh, where he's talking to Disa saying, in your mother's case, you actually she actually does have lice in her. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, Duran, never change. <laughs> How is Beric going to dig the seal door out of the rubble? Hmm. Uh, Elrond finally looks like an elf I was put off by how he looked for several episodes and lo after holding the mithril for a week or so he is now all ethereal and glowing well done makeup effects team chef's kiss Uh, Elrond lost the battle to Durin as authentically as Durin won the table from Gil-galad these two really are brothers from another mother I hope we get to see Durin give Elrond his real name one day Tolkien is a linguist it seems to me that language shifts could go something like this, Enduring Endure Dur Durin. It's a fit, fitting title for the King of Dwarves, even if it's just the sweaty outpouring of my own fevered imaginations. <laughs> Theo, oh my God, you're beautiful. Galadriel, I'm married. <laughs> just one niggle. <laughs> While I'm glad some people survived in a firestorm that bad, the air is superheated and most of the ox- oxygen is lost. Those that live long enough to take a breath probably scorch their lungs and also would not have enough oxygen to survive. But Let's suspend that disbelief for the sake of the show. And finally, can Aaron Deer be my stepdad? He looks like he gives great hugs. Go in goodness, Gail. Excellent stuff, Gail. Um, Love all the thoughts Mm -hmm. uh, here. Um, Certainly, yes. Uh, I'd say it's my niggle um, about the fact there are so many survivors that close to such a cataclysmic uh, event, Mm -hmm. to be honest. But, yes. This is Middle Earth. Maybe slightly cooler. They may not breathe <laughs> oxygen here. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think we kind of just have to go with it for the show. Yeah, like exactly. We, we don't have scientists in Middle Earth telling us exactly what happens in their world. Maybe volcanoes work slightly differently there. <laughs> uh, it could be. It could be anything. But I don't really care. I suppose the point is. You wouldn't be following as a show. You wouldn't be following seven characters who died in this episode. No, exactly. Um, the, the reason why all the important characters survived is because they're the ones we're following. But there are definitely hundreds of people who died uh, in there. Hundreds of Southlanders uh, who died and are irrepar- irreparably damaged from uh, what ha- what happened in uh, in the creation of Mordor as well. So, um, so that's that's kind of enough for me. We did have one uh, main character who did feature in four or five episodes who is gone uh, in uh, Antamo. Uh, so that has impacts as well. So that's what the story is about. It's the impacts on the people that are left behind. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and loving uh, all the, the different battles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for my, my personal favorite, definitely uh, Durin's battle here uh, mm-hmm. this week, uh, but loving Elendil's as well. Just, in, you know, what consequences that might have given, you know, it was referred to him being of a noble uh, bloodline. Absolutely. So really good stuff. Thanks, Gail. Thanks so much, Gail. Hopefully we hear from you next week as well. Uh, final piece of feedback in on Facebook from Victor Von Toom, who says, what a downer of an episode. But we knew this had to come. Duran's father did Middle Earth no favours at all. Looking forward to next week's episode. Excellent stuff. Thank you, Victor. And mm-hmm. thank you, fellow ringers, for all sending in your feedback. Really Good to get those in. Uh, as a quick reminder, you can send in an email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. We also have our spoiler post up on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tvpodcastindustries. And we're over on Twitter at tvpodindustries. Absolutely. Great to get all the thoughts. Keep them coming in, yeah. uh, fellow ringers. Yep, yeah, and lots more to come. Uh, really looking forward to seeing what happens in this final episode of The Rings of Power Season 1. Uh, we know that the plan for the show is at least five seasons. Uh, filming began just a couple of weeks ago for the second season of The Rings of Power. And the CEO of Prime Video has said that um, she's hoping that the show will come out as quickly as possible. Uh, second season will come out as quickly as possible. So no waiting three years for the second season of the show. Excellent stuff. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, really good stuff. Even though they've left uh, New Zealand. Yes, we will be back next week with our chat about The Rings of Power Season 1, the final episode, Mm -hmm. episode 8. Cannot wait for that. Please stay subscribed to the podcast. Uh, uh, Please rate us, leave a review. Mm -hmm. 
And please share the podcast as well, because sharing the podcast is sharing, sharing the, the love. love. Yes, it is. And you can also support us over on patreon.com forward slash TV podcast industries or buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. Absolutely. Looking forward to getting back uh, with more Rings of Power next Definitely. week. Take care. Speak to you soon. Yeah. Thanks so much, fellow ringers. In the meantime, remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep sailing west. Bye. Bye.